0: As we continue in our worship today, I hope that you are feeling centered and having had an opportunity to enter into a time of reflection. I hope that our hearts now can be open to receive the words of life that God offers to us in scripture. Uh, We are now in the middle of the season of Lent and in this journey that we have been on, exploring together the issue of mental health and mental illness. And today, as we're in this Lenten journey, the passages of Scripture that we're going to be focusing on, one is going to be coming from Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. And then we're going to hear also from Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. So as we clear our minds and open our hearts, let us receive these words of life together. From Luke 10. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Or indeed only one Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her and then we hear these words from Philippians chapter 4 verses 4 through 9 rejoice in the Lord always I will say it again rejoice let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. I invite us to be continuing in a state of reflection on those words as we prepare to dive into God's word. And as we do that, would you join with me in a word of prayer? Almighty God, this day, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, shaking us to new life in you. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. As we begin our time together today at this particular point, I want to paint two scenarios for us to be in consideration of and just let these play out in your mind as I begin to describe them. Here is scenario one. A mom gets up early in the morning to help get her kids out the door and to school on time. She helps make sure everything in their backpacks is ready to go. She makes sure lunches are cared for and then she looks to get out the door herself so that she can get to her job on time. On the way to work, she thinks about what the family is gonna need for dinner later that night, after piano lessons and after basketball practice, She texts all the kids throughout the day to make sure everybody's rides are coordinated for the evening and that everybody is on the same page. After working all day, she then swings by the grocery store to grab a few things for dinner before playing taxi to pick up all of her kids. Getting home, she quickly makes dinner, helps with homework and coordinates bedtime routines. Once the kids are in bed, she does a quick check-in with her ailing parents. She gets a load of dirty laundry started in the washer. She double checks on schedules for the next day. And then she starts going through the mail and some of the bills that have come in. And she starts to wonder where in the world they're gonna find the money that they need for the extra car repairs and the extra medical bills they've recently incurred. She does all of this until she runs out of energy at the end of the day. Exhausted, she falls into bed, except instead of falling asleep, her mind races as she continues for a little bit longer, scrolling through Facebook, wondering how in the world she's gonna get everything done that needs to be taken care of. And then eventually falls asleep, exhausted. Scenario two. A teenager gets to school early in the morning, frazzled, because he's been up late the night before on social media chatting with a friend who is hurting. On social media, there's other individuals, other kids who have been saying awful things about his friend. And now later today that teen is going to come face to face with those who've been saying the awful things about him. On top of that, Mom and dad were fighting again last night and dinner was whatever could be found in the refrigerator or the freezer. Upon getting to school that day, the teenager realizes they forgot to do one of their homework assignments and then another teacher gives a pop quiz that he's totally unprepared for. After school, that teen is expected to make sure that their younger siblings are able to get home safely. And therefore he has to coordinate some of their rides or walking home, but then has to coordinate some of his own rides as well after his after-school activities. The teen wonders all day, what is the last period of the day going to be like? Because that's where that group of kids who have been giving his friend a hard time will be, and his friend will be there in person as well. And sure enough, in that final period of the day, his friend is made fun of again, and is the butt of many jokes. After school and after coordinating rides for his siblings, he heads out to his own practice, he grabs a quick bite to eat, he works on some homework, and he too falls into bed exhausted, continuing to scroll through social media, watching the harassment of his friend continue. Instead of falling asleep, his mind just continues to race. He thinks about all that is before him, all that needs done, and trying to figure out his own future and his own plans for the days ahead not to mention the struggles that so many of his friends, especially that one friend, are going through. And the thought of going back into it all again tomorrow makes his anxiety skyrocket. I wonder how many of us can relate to even a few parts of those scenarios. I could have just as easily given scenarios related to rising costs that we're facing or the anxiety that comes in relation to climate change and things related to the pandemic. I could have easily given scenarios related to job loss or the loss of health. I could have easily given a scenario about the anxiety that comes with worrying about the future or again, our own health or the seemingly unending daily choices we all have to make from which brand of cereal we're going to eat, to which college to attend, to which doctor we need, to which mechanic, to which form of social media to engage and on and on and on and on. It all becomes so much. Just a few weeks ago, I was talking with Michael, our college minister, and we were taking a walk over on like Coming's campus, and it was a chilly day. And I noticed that despite the chilly weather, a lot of the students that day were wearing shorts, and I was surprised because it was pretty cold out. I said to Michael, Why in the world are these students wearing shorts out, shorts when it's so cold out? It seemed odd to me. But Michael gave me an answer that made me both pause and in a weird way made some sense as well. He said, Well, I think. It's just one less thing for them to think about. I said, what do you mean? And Michael said, the students have so much to think about on a daily basis, so many decisions to make when they get up each day. It's nice to already have something decided for you. So instead of getting up and then looking outside and seeing what the weather is and then saying, what should I wear and picking that out and adjusting accordingly, they just decide beforehand, I'm going to be wearing shorts today no matter what, no matter whether it's hot out or cold out. And I was amazed, I said, you mean it's more uncomfortable for them to have to make one more decision, even if it means physically being uncomfortable, uh, that's more, it uh, gives them more peace of mind to have made the decision ahead of time, even if it means some physical discomfort along the way. And Michael said, well, basically, the constant being on the endless social media, the, the continual choices and decisions that need to be made over and over and over leave a situation where we just utterly feel exhausted. And sometimes the thought of making one more choice just causes our own anxiety to rise. Now, I realize that for many of our folks today, we don't live in a time of war in our country right now, and we're so grateful for that. And this is not the Great Depression of the 1930s. And yet there is this tremendous weight on our souls on so many levels. Now, I just gave you an example with walking on campus that's not scientific in nature. And there may be lots of reasons why students choose to wear shorts in 30 degree weather and college students let me know what some of those reasons may be, I would love to hear. But it struck me that we live in such a time of general anxiety and that that anxiety is so high that they can even think about lowering it even one step by saying, you know what, it's one less choice I have to make if I just go ahead and wear shorts no matter what. We don't know exactly why everyone's anxiety is so high, but we know that more and more it is rising in our culture. So many of us feel pulled in so many directions all the time that it's increasingly hard to be fully present anywhere because we're always thinking about other things or having our attention pulled somewhere else. Some studies indicate that in any given year, up to 19% of individuals, that's one in five, will be diagnosed with an anxiety disorder. And what's more, according to the American Psychological Association, over the last few years, particularly among Generation Z, those who are roughly ages 10 to 27, that they are more stressed than any other generation. Now, to make that a little bit more personal for us, remember all those Comformans who joined just a few weeks ago? That's who we're talking about here, that in general they are feeling more stressed than any other generation. That should be jarring for us, considering that When we walk through life again, we've got so many things already in hand. We don't in general have to worry about hunger too much. We don't have to worry again about the Great Depression. We don't have to worry about bombs landing on us right now, at least day to day in our face. And yet people today, young people today, are filled with more anxiety than any other generation. That should make us wonder what in the world is going on. And again, nobody knows exactly why the anxiety is rising so much, but there does seem to be a strong correlation between social media usage and higher anxiety in general. And part of what we know is that things like social media create an opportunity to be scrutinized 24-7, to always be on, to always have people who have access to us. So just imagine, for example, let's go back to that teenager I referenced at the beginning of this sermon. Let's say that that teenager has had a rough day at school. It used to be that that rough day of school would only last until about 3 p.m. Then you would come home, and there would be no more interaction with those folks from school and at least until the next day. So every day brought some reprieve. Every evening there was at least a break of some kind. But now you come home from school and you're still in touch with everyone via social media. That meant that that argument or that frustration or those people that were annoying at school or those people that were giving you a hard time, they still have access to you. That used to not be the case. Since 2008, we've gone from zero people on Facebook to over two billion. And YouTube is not far behind, not to mention Twitter and TikTok and Instagram and so many other forms of social media. Now, to be clear, social media can be wonderful. But the irony is that in something that's meant to connect us, it oftentimes leaves us feeling alone and isolated, which leads to anxiety. In a different study, 20% of Gen Z said they actually felt worse after watching something on social media than before. And in some ways, this makes sense. Think about it. When we post anything on social media, we tend to post our best. And when we give only one small fraction of our day or how we're really doing. So oftentimes on social media, we see each other having fun or celebrating something or achieving some great thing. And yet that's only a small fraction of reality. Uh, let me just give you an example Uh, this past christmas uh, at christmas we had the opportunity in our sanctuary our particular family the lake family to have a nice picture posted in front of the christmas tree and it turned out beautiful we love the picture it's one of our favorite pictures now what you don't see in this picture is all the other pictures we took that did not turn out so well what you don't see is me telling the kids you better smile What you don't see is some of our kids pinching each other as we're trying to take the picture. What you don't see is me getting irritated. What you don't see is me saying to the kids, you better straighten up as we take the picture. All you see is this nice wonderful picture and therefore it looks like everything was perfect, when of course it wasn't. We post our best. In our family over the years, uh, we've had a number of pictures that didn't make the cut. And so uh, whether that is Zach sleeping with his crazy hair or Alex laughing hysterically, but just looking silly as we took a picture together or Joshua eating a donut uh, and and maybe not the most flattering of pictures. Those are the real life things that we tend to not post. And I'm incredibly grateful that I have kids who gave me permission to show some of these more unflattering pictures, but real pictures of life. In general, we don't post when we're angry or when it's ugly or when it's messed up. And it's probably a good thing because there's already enough negativity on social media. But because we mostly prefer only the perfect pictures, we become depressed or filled with anxiety when we look at the lives of other people and we think their life is perfect and mine is not. And we look at their pictures and we think I'm not in those pictures, my life stinks, everyone else's life is great, and my anxiety begins to rise. I've mentioned a few times about Faith Zone that happens in our middle school, and I'm so grateful for the work that Caroline and others do to connect with many of our middle school students. And I've even shared with you some of the prayers that our students lift up, and I just find these prayers to be so insightful because it lets us know what's going on in their mind, and it gives us a glimpse to know what's causing anxiety for them. So here are just a few examples of some of the most recent prayer requests that we've heard that were being lifted up. One kid said, I want everyone to be safe and careful. Another one said, I pray for my ear to heal. Another one said, I pray for my friend, that her math grade will go up. Another one said, I pray for protection for my family and my friends. Another one said, would you pray for my family for money issues? Another said for my math test, another one said for my grandmother, another one said for my dad's smoking, another one said for my mom's cancer and our family who's lost a lot of money, another one said for my teachers, another one who said I pray for a friend who had to switch schools and I hope that they're doing okay. Do you hear all of these things that are causing anxiety? Worry about loved ones, worry about tests and grades, worry about stress and anxiety for others, worry about health, worry about friends, worry about parents who are hurting, worry about having enough money, worry about enough food for others, and on and on and on and on. When we consider all of this, I think these students provide for us a clue, another clue as to what causes so much anxiety for us. Look what's going on here. Even though these students, or any of us for that matter, are only ever in one place physically, because physically we can only ever be in one place, they are simultaneously being pulled in a hundred different directions. So they might be getting ready to take a math test, but get a text from mom about something they forgot to do before they left home, while other friends of theirs are Snapchatting them or just reaching out to say hi. It's all happening at the same moment and trying to respond to all those things. How many of us have been in a meeting at work, but we get a text from one of our kids saying they forgot their lunch at home while simultaneously getting a call for scheduling a doctor's appointment while simultaneously getting an email from a boss who needs something right away? All of us in a variety of ways are increasingly pulled in a whole variety of directions, and the result is higher and higher and higher anxiety. Many of us more and more feel pulled in so many different directions, and it leaves us in an unsettled state, in a state of constant anxiety that makes it hard for us just to pause and to be. But we were not made to be in many places at once. Only God can do that. We were made to be fully present in each moment. And when we get away from being fully present, we experience significant anxiety. So consider again in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42, what we heard. Here's Jesus and his disciples were on the way. He came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and she asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. Now, I don't know how many of you might already know this story. In our culture, sometimes people who are super busy are called Martha's. My heart always goes out to Martha in this story. There is so much of me that says, I think she's right. (laughs) She seems to be the one doing the right thing. She's getting everything ready for Jesus. She's taking care of the tasks that need to be taken care of. It's hard for me sometimes to look at this story and wonder, why is she the one that's in the wrong? We hear specifically in Luke 10, 41, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. Do you hear Jesus identifying the anxiety in Martha? Martha. Depending on which translation you use, the more literal language of this passage is, you are anxious and disquieted about many things, Martha. In other words, Martha, in all of her hurrying, in all of her rushing, in all of these, doing all of these other things, she is stressed out over the whole situation. The Greek word here for worry or anxiety is the word marimna. And it means to literally be in pieces why does jesus say this to martha because martha is running all over the place she's trying to get a lot done but it's too much she's rushing from one thing to the next to the next to the next and it's overwhelming her does that sound at all familiar in our lives she's anxious over trying to get too much done and the result says jesus is a divided mind your mind is in pieces She is scattered. She's in a frenzy. Her mind is divided, resulting in anxiety for Martha because she's being pulled in too many places and not able to be fully present in the moment. And therefore, she's not present in the moment. And then there's Mary who just sits, who is fully present. She's not rushing all over. Her mind is not pulled in two pieces. She's not divided. She's not in a frenzy. And therefore, she's not in a state of anxiety. So then Martha gets angry at Mary for having this quiet time. What a wonderful contrast we see going on here notice it's not that there's not swirl for mary there is swirl for mary just like there is swirl for martha there is swirl for both of them but mary chooses to pause in the midst of the swirl in order to be in time fully present with jesus she chooses to be with jesus in that swirl Jesus even makes a little bit of a play on words here. He tells Martha she's worried about many things, which leads to the anxiety, but Mary has focused on only one thing, leading to less anxiety. You can almost hear Jesus, Martha, you are many-minded, but Mary is single-minded. Martha, you have many things that you're looking at, but Mary has just one thing she's looking at. Martha, you have 300 things you're looking at, and I might be one of the 300, and that's nice, Martha. I'm glad I made the list. I'm not even offended that I'm one of 300. I'm glad I'm on that list, but Martha, look at you. You're in trouble. You are stressed out and filled with anxiety and worried about many things because I'm not the one thing. I'm one of 300. And because I'm not the one thing, you are filled with anxiety. Do we hear this today? Does this sound at all familiar to us? If any parts of our lives resemble what Martha is going through here, it also explains why we struggle with worry and anxiety as well. Because for many of us, my guess is that Jesus is on the list. We wouldn't be listening or engaged in this sermon right now if Jesus wasn't at least on the list. And kudos to you that Jesus is on the list. But if Jesus is one of many pieces on the list, if Jesus is one of many elements where we are feeling pulled and distracted in many situations, we're gonna have a reaction much like Martha's, and that is, even though Jesus is on the list, we're gonna be filled with anxiety because we're trying to pay attention to lots of different things at once. But what if we can learn to be more like Mary? What if we can learn to be more single-minded? Because here's what Mary shows us. Single-minded focus leads to less anxiety. Now, the swirl did not disappear. Mary just learned how to be still in the midst of it. We're never told that Mary ignored the chores or that Mary did not work. She just learned how to be still in the midst of it. So how can we do that? How can we be more single-minded? What does that even mean for our lives? I am not suggesting we just sit in our house all day and focus on Jesus and ignore the rest of life and let chores and responsibilities go. Mary wasn't ignoring the rest of life. She was just making Jesus that priority in her life, taking full advantage of the time she had with Jesus to be singly minded and focused. What would it look like for us to make our time with Jesus a priority by eliminating distractions when we're seeking to focus on Jesus what if we could learn to come to the feet of Jesus with all of who we are and just simply rest and abide and be even for a few minutes a day uninterrupted to just at the feet of Christ we're never told that Mary never again went back to real life And again, we're never told that she didn't go out and do more work and chores. We're just told that she took time to be single-minded when it came time to focus on the presence of Jesus. If we take Mary as our model, it begins to reframe how we do things and experiencing things like worship. What then if worship were to switch from a religious obligation to a time for us to come and be fully present with Jesus? Even right now, As we're engaged in this, are we singly-minded focus on Jesus? Or do we have lots of other things going on? Are we doing this in the midst of going somewhere or doing something else and kind of listening almost more in the background? What would it look like if when we came into worship, we shut our phones off for an hour? What would it look like to come and just give our full mind and attention in these moments unburdened to Jesus? to leave other distractions behind even for a few minutes. So many jobs no longer have clear boundaries. Fewer and fewer jobs are strictly from nine to five. There never seems to come a time when everything is done and we can shut everything off after 5 p.m. for the rest of the day. There's always more emails, more calls, more that we can do. I once had a wise mentor tell me for him that one of the ways he tried to deal with this is that every day as he was uh, coming into work, he would mentally, when he got to a certain stop sign on his route to work, when he got to that stop sign, he would mentally pick up his suitcase, which for him was his way of saying, all right, now I'm in work mode. And he would come to work and do his thing. And then as he would begin returning home later that night, Whenever he got to that same stop sign, he mentally, he would put the suitcase down, which is his way of saying, I'm gonna leave that there, I'm gonna leave work behind now until the next day so that I can be fully present with my family or any other obligations that were happening the rest of the evening. The focus allowed him to be more present with his family To be more present with himself to be more present in rest to not be pulled in so many directions what if we were to apply such a mindset again in terms of things like worship in our lives where we avoid the outside distractions and we say this time is set aside for you jesus where i'm going to come and sit at your feet and be fully single-minded and focus on you and what could that look like even in parts of each day to just come and sit at the feet of Jesus, whether in prayer or listening to music or being still or just reflecting on the words of Christ ourselves. I think it would lead to greater single-mindedness, leading to less anxiety in our lives because we're learning to be fully present, which means we're not so divided and pulled into pieces. It would help us to be more present before Christ. If you've been journeying with us in this season of Lent, you know that Lent is that 40-day period leading up to the last week of the life of Jesus, when we experience his crucifixion and the last meal and ultimately the resurrection. Lent is a time of self-examination and reflection. It's a time of confession and repentance. And in a fast-paced world, Lent is a time to slow down and pause and be. Lent is a perfect time to practice being fully present before Jesus. We invite you again, if you've not yet done it, take advantage of the daily prayers being emailed to those who desire to receive them every day during the season of Lent. Take advantage of the prayer cards being offered in worship every week. Take advantage of the early morning communion time each Wednesday morning. Take advantage with our children of using the resources of over 40 days that they are using. What's causing you the most anxiety right now, the most stress? And how can we bring that to the feet of Jesus, where we can be fully present with him? Earlier, I shared with you some requests from some of the students in the middle school from Faith Zone. There's one request I did not share with you. Here was that prayer. The student said this, I want to pray for all the little kids and people that are in the hospital. And I also pray for any of my family that's going through a hard time. And then the student said, thank you, God, for being there for me in Jesus' name. What did that student do? They recognized the presence of Jesus in the struggles, in the requests, in the worries. And they not only recognized the presence of Jesus in those places, they gave thanks to God for being there with them through those situations. When we know Jesus is with us, and we're giving thanks at the same time, it helps tremendously with our anxiety. It almost works as an antidote to our anxiety. I love this example that this student lifts up for us. If you're still not sure how to pray in regards to any anxiety that you might be feeling, I wanna remind you of a practice that Pastor Janet gave us a number of weeks ago. She reminded us to be praying the scriptures and the Bible gives us a wonderful prayer related very specifically to the issue of anxiety. It's found in Philippians chapter 4, verses four through nine, which we heard earlier. The prayer offers for us reminders and realities of everything that combats anxiety. It points to rejoicing, that the Lord is near, that the Lord hears us. It focuses us on what is pure and admirable and it helps us give our anxieties to God. In other words, it's a prayer that helps us to be single-minded in our focus, just like what Mary exemplified before Jesus. Philippians chapter four, verses four through nine, remind us and ground us in this single-minded focus in reality. And so as we end our time together today, I wanna to invite you to pause again and just pray with me to receive these words, and as we receive these words to release our anxiety and our worries unto God, that we might be single-minded in focus and in presence before God this day. My prayer for you today is this. Rejoice in the Lord always, and I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything Put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Thanks be to God this day for the opportunity to bring our entire focus before Christ, that our anxieties may melt away as we worship God. Amen. As we get ready to go forth this day, I invite us to go. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, being a people of single-minded focus in the presence of Christ our Lord and Savior. Go this day sitting at the feet of Jesus whenever you are able, that you might be able to give all your cares, all your anxieties unto him. Go in peace and serve the Lord.